0: now what? Now that I'm saved, where do we go from there? Let's go back, though, and review that, that very first one. The very first step, of course, is to surrender. By the way, you'll notice on the cover of our bulletin, every week we'll be reminded that the Christian life is about surrendering, connecting, and engaging. After today, I think that, that we'll even understand that better. The step one is surrender. You know, we can talk about repentance and faith and confession and and these things that we do when we're embracing Christ for that initial time, but it all comes down to a surrender of our heart. There are three starting line actions, though, that I wanted to be sure and, and mention that the Bible associates with that time when we receive Jesus. So I think it's, it's good for us to review these, and they, they may be real important or significant for some here. Um, maybe God wants to remind us of something today. One of the starting line actions that comes right with that time that we receive Christ is to tell people. That's number one. Tell people. You know, our faith is personal. It's us and Christ. It's, it's a personal thing, but it's not private. We're not called to get saved and go live our Christian life in a, in a closet, right? Remember the old song we used to sing when we were kids? Hide it under a bushel. No. No. Exactly, we live it in public. Jesus wants us to be open. Uh, not that we're Bible thumpers and we're gonna beat people up with our, that kind no, no, no. Let your light shine. Love on people. Demonstrate the love and character of Christ and be public about the fact that he's your Lord and he's your savior. In Matthew chapter 10, verse uh, 32, Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before men I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whosoever disowns me before men, I will disown before my Father. That's pretty straight up, right? Jesus wants us to be open and, and, and to t- tell your family, tell your friends. I'm sure many of you are way beyond that, but it's a good thing to be reminded of. Number two, another starting line action. Become a student of the Bible. Begin to read. Begin to study. It doesn't matter if you could not name six of the Old Testament books right now. Start somewhere. I'd encourage you to start with the Gospels. John, the Gospel of John is a great place to start. But start reading. And if you have questions, start asking them. Find somebody that knows a little bit more about the Bible than you do and say, hey, what's this mean? And begin to grow. And I guarantee you that as you grow, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed because God will begin to fill you up. He'll begin to teach you. Uh, I never forgot something that my grandma Rachel put in me when I was just a young kid. The written word leads us to the living word. You've got the written word, ink on paper, and it's, it's God's heart captured in ink. It's a miracle. And when we open it up and read it and let it impact our heart, the Holy Spirit uses it to transform us and to lead us into a deeper walk with the living word, Jesus Christ. Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I love that. I've told you before, I'm a word nerd. I love to study words. And the word pure there is a very interesting word. Uh, we've, We've all heard it. We could probably come up with a pretty good definition of it just innately, just by thinking about it. Pure means unmixed. If you have pure gold there's nothing else mixed in it it's just gold so when this this verse is talking about how do we keep our way pure how do we keep our our relationship with God uncontaminated with junk by filling up on his word because you see when you fill up with the Word of God you're filling up with God you're filling up with the truth of God you're filling up with the heart of God the, the, the revelation of God. You're getting to know who He is and what He loves, what breaks His heart, what, what, what He yearns for us to know. You're filling up on those things and you're giving the Holy Spirit what I call ammunition. You're giving the Holy Spirit ammunition as you fill up on the Word of God to do His job even more powerfully in your life. As you're walking down the road of life, the Holy Spirit can pull up those truths. It doesn't really matter whether you can quote chapter and verse that's nice but if you just know the bible says xyz the holy spirit will use that to direct you in your life it's powerful so Philip, become a student you know we become disciples of jesus when we when we choose to follow him and that word means lifelong learner that was beautiful to see the ladies cross the finish line in the marathon today and, and someday we'll cross the finish line in our marathon. It'll be in the twinkling of an eye when we're transformed into the likeness of Jesus. So it'll be beautiful. But until that time, we're learners. We're learners, and we ne- we're, we're never going to learn it all. We just keep pressing in, and it's all about getting to know the living word. Then thirdly, be baptized. Follow Christ in baptism. Baptism is a beautiful, beautiful um, thing that Christ calls us to do. Let me just mention a couple things about baptism that I think are so powerful. First off, Jesus said, Do it. He, he incorporated, incorporated it in, in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. We've all heard this a hundred times if we've been in church for, for very long. Matthew 28 18 through 20 it says, Then Jesus came to them and he said, And by the way, this phrase here just is amazing. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's a lot of authority, isn't it? All the authority there is in heaven and creation and everywhere, it's been given to me. Therefore, based on that authority, I say to you, go make disciples, that is lifelong learners, followers of all nations. I.e. it doesn't matter what side of the tracks you come from, doesn't matter what country you come from, doesn't matter what your past is, That nations means ethnic groups, which it's just a way of saying, doesn't matter where they come from, make disciples of them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. You don't get baptized to become a disciple. You receive Christ by surrendering your heart, placing your faith in Christ to become a disciple. But disciples, one of the first things Christ calls us to do is to follow him in this public act of baptism and the public is the key word let's look at Acts chapter 2 verses 36 through 38 now let me set this up because this this passage becomes a hundred times more powerful when you get the context this is the day of Pentecost which is a festival that the Jews celebrated People would migrate from all over the place to come to Jerusalem, which is where this took place, to celebrate this festival. This is 50 days after Passover. Jesus was just crucified 50 days ago. The same people who had him crucified are still in town. That's important. And the the Bible says in the beginning of Acts 2 that the followers of Christ were all locked up in this room, they had the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Because the same people that crucified their Lord is still there in town, and they're scared. But then as you read through Acts 2, it says that God sent his Holy Spirit. This is the day on which the Holy Spirit became an indwelling agent. He, he rained down, filled up his believers with the Holy Spirit, and their fear went away. And they took the locks off the doors, and they went out into the streets where these thousands of people are, from all these different locations and they speak all these different dialects and they begin to proclaim Jesus and everybody hears it in their own language. So there's a miracle going on here and then we get to verse 36 and these are Peter's words and he's speaking to these people and he says, Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom, now listen to these words, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. I, I, I can't be guaranteed of this, but what that says to me is that Peter's aware that many among that crowd 50 days ago were chanting, crucify him, crucify him. Remember that scene before Pilate? He has a, gives them the choice between Barabbas and Jesus. He says, well, if you want Barabbas freed, what should I do with Jesus? And the crowd said, crucify him. Cru- the religious leaders stirred them up. And Peter here is hearkening back to that day. And he's saying, friends, you were part of that, that crowd, and you cried, crucify him. He says, but God has made him Lord, that is ruler of all, and Christ, Savior of all. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. The Holy Spirit got involved. They're convicted. They feel conviction. And, and they're, they're, they're cut to the heart. And they said to Peter, And to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent. Change your heart, change your mind, turn away from your old life and receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And he says, and be baptized, every one of you in the name, now this is important, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's really helpful to just understand baptism in this light. Jesus didn't invent baptism, okay? There, John, we read of John's baptism, which is a different baptism. John was calling people to be baptized as a sign of repentance, to prepare their heart for what God was about to do because the Messiah was about to come. You know, repent for the kingdom of God is near. That was a, a sign of their soft heart toward God. There were other baptisms that we could read about if we would study about that time. When a person converted to something, oftentimes there was a ceremonial washing or a baptism. Jews practiced baptism. When someone said, I don't worship this God over here anymore. I worship the God of Israel. It was a public... Here, here's, here's what you really got to get. It was a public proclamation of their allegiance. They were proclaiming who they were following in that baptism. And that's why the name that you're baptized under is what's important. You see, Lord forbid, if we were to stand up here and baptize someone in the name, this is going to make your skin crawl, guys. Listen, see how you react to this. If we were to baptize someone in the name of Buddha, wouldn't that feel weird? Horrible. No, no, no. See, it's in the name of the person that you're being baptized that makes it powerful. And so what Peter is saying to these people is, Fifty days ago, you were yelling, "Crucify him! Crucify him!" You want now. You're asking what, me what you need to do in order to be right with this Christ, Jesus. You need to change "Crucify him! Crucify him!" to "He is Lord." He is Lord, and go public with it, professing it in baptism. Isn't that that's powerful? Baptism is a, is a public proclamation. It's also a beautiful symbol. You know, a symbol, we we just enjoyed a symbol here, a a tangible uh, something that reminds us of a greater truth. The, The Lord's Supper reminds us of the body and the blood of Christ. Baptism reminds us of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ that we have joined him in spiritually when we receive Christ. When we repent of our sin, we die to our old life. Paul talks about in Romans 6 that we've died to sin, And how can we live in it any longer? That we've that we've we've uh, repented of that old thing, and we've become a a new creation in Jesus. Listen to what Paul says here in Romans six, verses three and four. Or have you forgotten that when you joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, or when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death, for we died. And we were buried with Christ by baptism, and just just as uh, Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. This is why every time that I do a, a baptism, I always say these words. As I'm putting someone down in the water, I always say, Buried with Christ, rise to walk with Christ. It's this, this, this beautiful symbol of our union with him in that, and it's a public proclamation. It's also an inspiring moment. How many of you have been part of a baptismal service, and when the person came up out of the water, people began to clap. You ever seen that before? People began to cheer. Yeah, because now we got a new player on our team. You know what I'm saying? So, someone who's, who's, who's proclaimed and said, I'm not on that team anymore. I'm on this team. I love that. It's, it's a, it, it inspires, it blesses the church. It encourages people. And it's a wonderful witness to those who, uh, who are watching, which, by the way, is one of the reasons that baptism, it's a public event. It's not something we do over in a closed room by ourselves. It's something that there, people need to witness and see that happening. Uh, You know, I've done that with just a few family members and friends and kind of a semi-private time. But I always say, you need to have some people there who are going to see that happen so that you can proclaim that. All right, so those are just some, some events that are kind of associated with that time that we surrender. Then we move on, and we get to step two. Step two is connect. Connect in the body Of Christ. After uh, we're we're saved, we're made part of God's family. You remember last week, or I guess it was three weeks ago now, we talked about the fact that we're adopted into the family of God when we trust Christ? Think about that whole imagery. We're adopted into the family. God is our Father. I I hope that you've never experienced this, but some of you may have. And even if you haven't personally experienced it, you'll be able to uh, sympathize with it how painful it is to be a parent of children and all of a sudden one of those children become estranged from the family. They don't want anything to do with the family anymore. There's a beef, there's a rift, there's, there's anger, something happened. Now there's, there's this feud and they don't want to be part of the family anymore. I, I, think, I don't think there's too many things in life that would hurt or break a parent's heart more than to kind of go through that to see if a child that they love kind of reject the family and not want to be part of it. Friends, when we, when we become a follower of Jesus, God wants his children to come together. And the Bible says how beautiful it is for, for God's people to dwell in unity, for us to come together and love each other and, and do life together. i must say more about this in the next couple of weeks in a series that we're going to call Why Should I Care About Community? So I'll just real briefly mention this one passage here. It teaches us some really neat things. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Paul says, some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some of us are free. And again, if Paul was writing this today, some of us are Michigan State fans, some of us are something else fans, some of us come from this place in life, some of us were raised wealthy, some of us were raised poor and had to work for everything we had, some of us can trace our lineage back to Europe or whatever. You know, we come from all different places but essentially, if you could inject a little line here, you would say, but none of that matters anymore. Because we have been baptized into one body, that is the body of Christ, the church, by one spirit, and we all share in the same spirit. Every person in this room has God's Holy Spirit living in their heart if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. And it's that spiritual reality living within us that reminds us that we're all part of of God's family. Isn't that beautiful? It's awesome. And and just because I'm a teacher and I'm a word nerd again, I got to mention the word baptized here. It's a good thing to kind of just understand that baptized was a very common word in that day. We don't use it today like they used it back then. The word literally just meant to dunk or to immerse. That's why we practice baptism the way that we do in terms of immersion. But in this passage, he's not talking about your water baptism. He's saying this is something the Spirit did. That Spiritually speaking, when you trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit took you out of this category of, let's say, the lost or whatever, a non-follower of Jesus, and he put you into the family of God, the body of Christ. I always like to say if there had been a donut shop in Jesus' day, it wouldn't have been Dunkin' Donuts it would have been baptized donuts. Because <laughs> yeah, that's just how they used the word. When they wanted to wash their clothes, they would baptize their clothes over and over again. To them it was a word that meant dunk. See, and 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 that was part of their language. That just kind of helps us to, I don't know how that helps us, it just I just think it blesses me to be able to share it. <laughs> Step number three. Engage. I'm so excited about this point because it's something that I think, maybe you've had this experience where some lessons that God teaches us, we learn in little bits and pieces over the course of our lives. You kind of get a glimpse of a lesson, but then we have to be retaught it and retaught it, and we have to kind of come back again and again to it. Engage is one of those lessons for me. And I'm talking specifically as a pastor in terms of calling people, You know, discipleship is one of those things that we we talk about in the church all the time. But we wrestle with, how does that really happen? How do we truly disciple people uh, and help them grow up in Christ? Well, friends, I think Engage captures it. Because when you engage, what we're calling you to, when we call you to Engage, is an intentional, personal, ongoing commitment to seek Christ in your own life every day friends I, I learned a long time ago that no one can make you grow in Christ and you're and I love a phrase that I heard another pastor say one time you're as close to God right now as you want to be isn't that a challenging thought because he's not going anywhere He's right here. His arms are are laid out and his word is here free for you to dive into and read. And we live in this beautiful country where we can can have 14 different versions of the Bible if we want it. You know, and and we can dive in and the church is here to help us and encourage us. So so the challenge is with engaging is saying, God, I'm gonna gonna pursue you. I'm gonna go after knowing you. I, I want a deep walk with you. I never want to quit growing. I don't want to just grow older in my faith. I want to grow deeper in my faith. Always. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Love those words hunger and thirst because they're the great verbs and they're in the present tense, which means he's not saying blessed are you if you hunger for 10 minutes on Tuesday. He's saying, blessed are you when your lifestyle becomes one of every day waking up saying, I want more of you, God. And whatever steps I need to take to pursue you, I want to go after that. And that's why I want to challenge you to incorporate this question in your prayer life every day. This is worth writing down. Every day as you pray, incorporate this question. God, what's my next step? What's my next step? Because I'm telling you, if you will, with an honest, open heart, come to God on a regular basis and say, God, what's my next step? He'll speak. He'll honor that question. He'll begin to talk to you. He'll begin to encourage you. And for, you know, it'll be different. For all of us, depending on where we are, some of us, he might say, hey, get in the word. You need to fill up on it. You need to have a season of filling up on my word and, and really begin to understand what it's teaching. For someone else, it might be, you know, prayer. This is a good thing that you've just prayed, friend. Let's keep praying that. Let's, let's get in the habit of, of spending some time with me in prayer. It might be a call to serve. He might say, oh, you had a beautiful season of serving, but you don't retire from the Christian life. You know, maybe it's, you, it's, he'll call you to kind of, hey, let's get off the bench. Let's get back in the game. Let's find a place to use the gifts and talents that I've given you. Maybe it would be, hey, your spouse. You've kind of forgotten about the fact that she's, or he's, your number one ministry. You know, ministry begins at home. How are you doing as a husband? How are you doing as a wife? How are you doing as a parent? You know, praying this question opens the door for God to begin to speak and to touch and encourage us. And then the only other thing we have to do is respond because God knows where we need to grow. And if we have surrendered our life to Christ and we have connected in the body of Christ with our brothers and sisters and we're doing life together through worship and study and groups and those, you know, we're spending time together and we're praying that prayer every day. God, what is my next step? And we're being obedient, okay? And let me just tell you right now, you already know this, it will not always be easy. It's sometimes it, it will be down right hard because nobody knows the skeletons in your closet better than the Holy Spirit of God, amen? Yeah, I mean, hey, there's things about me that Kelly might not know no, there's not really, honey. You know, but, there might be. but the Holy Spirit knows them. You know what I'm saying? And when you open your heart up, bear before God, in the most loving, perfect, beautiful, gentle, but firm way, God knows how to push our buttons and say, here's your next step. And bring conviction in a way that isn't, doesn't feel unfair. You just know, I need to take this step. It's not always easy, but you know what? It's always It's always good. It's always good. How many of you regret any act of obedience you've ever done for Christ? We don't regret any of them. Doesn't matter how hard they were. It's always worth it. And I don't mind doing something that's hard as long as I see value in it and purpose in it. And as you take those steps, here's what you'll learn. By the way, let me just back up as I come up to this here's what you'll learn point. Jesus says something in the Gospels where he's speaking to the Jews and he says, if you obey my commands, then you're truly my disciples. And he says, as you obey my commands, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We've all heard that phrase, right? Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The image in that passage, Jesus is laying out, he's saying, as you take steps of obedience, as you follow As you learn and and, and submit to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life, you'll learn the truth. See, you don't learn the truth just sitting still. You learn the truth as you begin to follow and as you act on those things that God's called you to do. And I'm telling you, as you ask the question, what's my next step? And you take those steps, you'll begin to discover what Jesus meant when he said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Abundantly because it's all wrapped up in following the Savior let's bow our heads Father I hope trust well I know that you've challenged me so I trust that we've all been challenged today Father you no one knows how to transform a life like you you're the author of life. Thank you, God. I want to thank you so much for the fact that you love us right where we are. That You love us right where we are. There's nothing we can do or say that would make you love us any more or any less. But you love us too much to leave us there and you'll always be active in our life and calling us to go deeper and, and come up higher with you. And, and so I just pray, Lord, Anywhere that you touched our life today during this teaching, help us to say yes to you. Maybe we need to follow you in baptism. Maybe we need to become a better student of the Word. Maybe we need to tell some friends. Maybe we've kind of lived a private kind of faith. Maybe we need to embrace this upcoming challenge to connect in small groups. Maybe you're speaking to us about that. Maybe... Maybe we just need to embrace this question. What's my next step? And begin to listen and trust and obey. Whatever it is, Father, help us to say yes to you today. Use this time to come to the altar and pray about it if we need to and and let you do your work. In Jesus' name, amen.